Welcome to Through the Wire. Through the Wire. Today we are breaking tradition. We are doing things a little bit differently than we normally do. I usually record Tuesday and Saturday mornings, 10 o'clock on the dot, but even though people end up being a little bit late. But because of some schedule stuff, we're recording this on Monday night. So if you're watching this on Tuesday and something big happened in the NBA and we don't talk about it, that's why. Because we're recording this on Monday night. And we kind of got the games fresh because they just ended like the the Clippers just finally beat up on the on the Nuggets. I mean, it's a close one, but it is what it is. D-Mills, I see you got your Laurie marketing up there, man. Bulls fan today? I'm always a Bulls fan. I just expect big things coming out of him this upcoming season. I think this is going to be his year. I, I, I got a lot of hope and I got a lot of belief in him. I feel like those last few seasons, he was injury prone and bad coaching. A lot of stuff was going on. I think he's going to have a good fresh start. And it's, I think it's a future bright, man. Okay. Okay. Mike's still rocking with his Lake show. But like a, the worst picture possible because we only see Kuzma. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only dude I need showing, which what I need the luck rubbing off of because. AD been doing his thing. If he can get Kuzma to, you know, step up, he be a nice 15 to 20 point dude. We can wrap this series up. I mean, I guess so. And P still got South Beach back there. Yes, sir. Trey 05. Hey, what do we start for today's episode, man? Because we do have the games from yesterday. We got games from today. Y'all pick and choose because some of these games ain't as interesting. You know, like the, the Celtics beating up on the Raptors today ain't really interesting. It's, it was exactly that. I didn't even watch most of this game. I was driving home from a family event, and I was just checking the score, and it was like 19-6, to 6, and it was just that the entire game. Like the mm-hmm. Celtics didn't do anything. They couldn't hold themselves. and I mean, no, no, no. The Raptors couldn't hold themselves to the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. Raptors just had a tough day, man. Uh, it's, it's a trend we've seen in this series. Um, they're either usually on it or they just been off. And today is one of the off days. Uh, I don't think they had a 20-point score. Nobody reached 20 points. I think Pascal Siakam ended up with 10 points. OG Ananobi had their first five points, in it with like seven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it's just one of those days at the office. And then, to me, what I don't like about it, you have a, you have a night where Jason Tatum goes five for 15, and you kind of want to take advantage of that because he's not going to have too many games like that throughout the series, right? Like, I'm expecting 30 points or more from him in almost every game. So when you can get him under 20, you kind of want to capitalize on that. And they couldn't. Um, but you, one thing about them is they're, they are a championship team. Um, and they, they, they're fighters, as we saw. They were down 0-2, and they came back to tie 2-2. And, you know, they give, they're giving themselves a chance already to still be alive in the series. So I think that the next game, um, game six, they're going to fight. They're going to fight. Uh, and, and if the Celtics come out as sharp as we've, as we've seen them thus far in the playoffs – they can close it as well. No matter how hard the Raptors fight, they can close it out. Uh, and I'm very, very interested to see how that game six goes because the Raptors are going to need guys who haven't really been around in this series to kind of step up. Like Pascal Siakam is going to have to go out swinging in game six. Yeah. Have we have yet guy. to see him pretty much at all in the bubble, you know, yeah. not even in the regular season did he have any like really good. I mean, that's I'm, I'm stretching it, but he hasn't really had like a really good, hey, I'm an all star and you should respect me as such type games. He's been cool today. He was not cool. He was bad. Um, but overall, like even defensively, he ain't looking as great as he used to either. It's just like, whoa, bro. I, it makes I, it very I, interesting because yeah. this, these are questions that we had coming into last season. Um I remember our live show, the very first episode, when we all were out there with our girls and stuff in October, you know, D Mills is talking about Pascal Siakam. You know, he t- kind of was disrespectful with it. But the question was, could he be, could he take the step into that? And during the regular season, you know, for, for a nice portion of it, he looked well. It looked like it could be. And then it could, it could work with this type of team because he did it consistently. But then even in days where he couldn't, Fred Van Fleet would do it. You still had Kyle Lowry. Norman Powell could have a game. Shit, we saw Terrence Davis have a few. But now, you know, he's not really even being one of them to, like, pitch in. Like, like today I said, uh, Fred had, like, 18. I think uh, Lowry had about 10. Uh, 10. And then, yeah, he had 10. So it's like somebody got to come and hoop. They just struggled from the very beginning. None of the shots that they were making last game or the game before that were falling. And then the Celtics, they just have so much, bro. They just have so much. That, like you said, Jason Tatum had a bad game, but then you had Jalen Brown looking the best he's looked so far in the playoffs. So it's just give or take. And that, like I said, I, when we were predicting the series, I literally flipped the coin 
And I think it landed on Celtics, but that's how close the series, I thought the series was going to be, and it has been for the most part. Yeah, this series has been so back and forth. I just can't really help to think that it's going to go seven. I think the way the Raptors played today, they're going to come back, you know, swinging in this game six to kind of, you know, extend the series. But the Celtics are just doing a, a super good job. But even when they're struggling, their defense has been stepping it up. You know, in Toronto, they don't have no go-to guy, and they do it by committee, but their rotations have been on point, and they're on ball. Like you mentioned, Jalen Brown is going to, doing his thing. He's a reason why Pascal is struggling so bad. Jason Tatum, even when he shoots bad, he's been playing it uh, very well on the defensive side. And their role players have been there, too. The, um, while Nick Nurse is kind of stretching his starters and playing them, you know, as big minutes as he can, there's been, you know, some little bright spots from Brad Watermaker, Brad Watermaker and Daniel Tice and the role players that have been, you know, making the difference. Right. Yeah, when yeah. I see Brad Watermaker doing certain things when I'm watching the game or even when I'm looking at a box score or something, um, it, it lets me know what's going on. Because it's like if you're allowing Brad Wanamaker to do X amount of things, you're putting yourself in a position to where it's going to be really tough to, to win because, as we already mentioned, the Celtics already have so much. So it's like it's 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 a it's a tough enough job trying to contain Tatum, Brown, and Kimba in itself. So then even even outside of them, you know, they have other guys who can chip in. Marcus Smart isn't, you know, he he rarely leads them in scoring or does dramatic things on the offensive end, but he can chip in. He can he can chip in here and there. But when you get a guy like Brad Wanamaker chipping in in, in a large portion. It just puts you at odds, man. It just makes it that more difficult because now, yeah, you're trying to stop those three guys, Marcus Smart even, and then now um, Brad Wanamaker is, is, is being um, effective and giving you problems. So you just it's just tough. But what I don't want the Celtics to do, um, because even though I picked the Raptors, I don't have a favorite in this. I don't want the Celtics to ease up because I feel like they did that when they had the 2-0 lead. Well, I don't even want to say they eased up. I'm sorry. It was just that shot. OG. It was that one shot from OG. But then even game four to go up 3-1 would have, would have kind of cl- – we'd be, we'd be done with the series. We'd be done. So don't don't ease up. Um, continue to apply that pressure and end it as soon as you can because this is – the. I know they don't have Kawhi, but they are the defending champs for a reason, and they're going to fight. So if you leave that game seven door open, I just wouldn't want to go game seven with this team, championship experience team. Yeah. Um, I would rather just get it done. Um, and, and move on. Yeah, a big thing from last game that I saw from them is that the Celtics did struggle to shoot, but they were still in that game. Um, this game, you see the Raptors come out struggling to shoot, and the Celtics just blow them out the water. So that's yeah. kind of crazy. So even when the Celtics are struggling to shoot, they still got so much to where they still going to be in the game. And I think when the Raptors struggle to shoot, it's just they just don't have enough. And Pascal Siakam really just hasn't been that number one option he's not even like looking at, he looks all out of sync he's shooting the shots like he's shooting them with confidence but it's just not falling i don't I know s- what they're gonna do i saw a statistic the- about his three-point shooting in this series and it is horrendous like he had, he just can't hit any of his threes what, and like the games two be- for 11 last two for 13 last game or something like that That's and crazy. then this this game here over he was over two so he stopped shooting them but he's still <laughs> not hitting the ones that he do take yeah we got a quote from Nick Nurse on Pascal Siakam. I'm not oh, yeah. sure why he's been so out of the rhythm since the restart. He hasn't had a lot of great games. I've seen people going, you know, people talking about that quote or whatever on social media. That's the quote that's kind of – but, I mean, it's truth. I think that's yeah. good coaching. You don't kiss a player's ass or lie. I mean, I don't he think that's – the beginning of the season. Pascal uh, is probably thinking the same way. I mean, that's just the truth. I don't yeah. understand what's the big deal. Yeah, you can't sugarcoat that. But yeah, D-Mills, you're right. When we were talking about Stanley Johnson and Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, Nick Nurse came out and said, these guys suck. We signed them and they just haven't been good. And then that kicked them in the butt. And then they had a period of time where both of them were really decent. So yeah. maybe that, now, that will be the spark. But it is, we get to the point where it might be too late, Pascal. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have to have that spark in game six or it's over with. Yeah, but now if game, if game six, he does kind of play. Maybe his it also isn't a serious for him, to be honest. He got so many different wing defenders coming at him. We got yeah. Marcus Smart. Like, he yeah. got so many what? different people that can guard him. I understand what you're saying, D-Mills. But an all-star, there's no there's no reason to be 10 points. I, all-star means I don't give a damn who is on op- opposing me. I'm going to get what I get. Now, am I going to explode and carry a team? That's that that's the difference between an all-star and a superstar. But an all-star is going is supposed to be able to get theirs in any in no matter who is in front of them. No matter what you do, I'm at least getting my averages. But 10 points and 
this two, what did y'all say, two for 11? Like, the, the, yeah. uh, you should be uncharacteristic no matter who is in front of you. An all-star should at least be who they are. Maybe their play doesn't hit another level because, like I said, that maybe that's superstar level where, yeah, Kawhi didn't average 38, but in the playoffs, there's moments where he's going to give you 38 because this is what I do. I'm a superstar. I'm raising my game to a level. But an all-star, to me, should always be able to be who they are. We should be able to expect, if you're an 18 and 10 guy, we should be able to expect 18 and 8, 18 and 10 from you instead of abnormal characteristics. Because even, like KB said, even defensively, it's not the same level to what we've been accustomed to seeing. I'm looking which, at his, his numbers throughout the course of the season. You know, he had that one super hot month to start off where he averaged 28 points per game. Then he had a 24-25. But the last month or so going into, like, uh, before the season got stopped, he was really struggling, especially from three. He's attempted seven threes a game, and he was shooting 27%. So basically the three-point shot has been broken for, is you know, back when the uh, season was even ending. But, I mean, it's it's hard to gauge because like, I've been seeing people ask the question, like, did we did we put too much on him too early type thing? Like, did we expect too much from him from a guy like that? And it's hard, it's hard to really even gauge that, you know what I'm saying? Because he did have moments in last year's playoffs, like game one, right? Game one in the finals. He was amazing. He was, he was their best player other than Kawhi. And then this season, he started off as hot as he did. And then do we hold him up there because of that first couple months or do we – was he just going through a little stretch where he was on fire? I think so. I think I think it, it is held a little bit too much for him, um, just because we've seen him get better every year. But it's different getting better under the radar to now being like here. Like first of all, you're under the radar. It's unexpected. It's so much easier to thrive when nobody's expecting anything. There's no pressure playing with house money. But then also to thrive in last year's system, where it's like we're expecting more from you, but we're not relying on you because we have Kawhi, Lowry. So we're, we're, whatever you give is just a cherry on top. But now, even then, you you do that. But now you're you're going to now we're relying on you, and I think yeah. that's just you got to give guys some time. Um, some guys it's just never who they are. It's just Pascal Siakam could just never be that guy, which I think is still okay. Um, and then some guys need some time. Um, I think regardless, they're in a good situation. Um, I think it's just about the surrounding pieces. Now, Mark Gasol is, he's definitely not the same Mark Gasol. So they're going to have to find other guys to be able to contribute, um, in that, in that place, in that space, because Mark Gasol, he's still, he's not all the way done. I think he can still contribute, but it's to a lesser degree. It's like, he's definitely significantly worse than he was last year. Last year, his impact was was very, very good in the playoff run. And so far, mm-hmm. during the playoffs, he hasn't been. Sergi Baca's the one that's been amazing for them yeah. as far as the bigs go. It really has not been uh, Marcus Gasol whatsoever. So I don't know. Actually, both of those guys are free agents this offseason, so I don't know what the market Great. is. Well, and then um, Lowry. What's up with Lowry? That's going to be his last year next year? I don't think so. I think he's got an, another year after, but I, I'll double-check it. Uh, but he's a lifer. He's a four lifer, man. No matter what, Cal Lowry's he's retiring with the Raptors, bro. But he got a bag, don't he? Thirty four. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, I feel like even on his last contract, they're gonna give him a, a nice little bag. Just for like, you know, he's been there. His, uh, oh no, no, he got his bag. This was his bag. Yeah, thirty four this year, thirty next bag. year, and then free agency. That's his bag. He better take a pay cut if he want to stay in Toronto. Is what I'm saying. Sure. I'm gonna go back and answer your question, but. I think we we didn't we did put the standards a little bit too high for Siakam, but it also shows just like what it takes to be that number one option, right? We got to give credits to the KDs and, and the Kawhis. Like those times where Toronto was scoring last that season, it was Kawhi that was picking them up, and they obviously they don't got that no more. And it, it's very hard to be a number one option guy when you don't have just like the ability to create your own shot. Even for Giannis, as good as he is, he doesn't really have that, you know. And so for Pascal, if he's not getting to his right hand or just getting that open shot, it's like, okay, now what? Now you can do something you don't feel comfortable with. But that that was one of the reasons why I said patience, because, yeah, we can tip our hats to guys like Kevin Durant and whatnot. But the difference is guys like Kevin Durant, they were bred it to be that. Pascal Siakam wasn't brought up and molded and developed to be a number one option. He's just exceeded expectations, and now he's succeeded so much that here he is in this situation. So we got to give them some time because it's different when you're actually they, – they brought up Kevin Durant to be the face 
and the guy from rookie year, he was getting a game-winning shot opportunities. Pascal Siakam was just thrown here because, damn, you overexceeded. The guy who was there doing that isn't here. So, boom, now we need you to do it. And, and because you reached everything before, we're going to expect you to be able to reach this too. And this is his first year of being an all-star caliber player, right? You have to oh, think why? about think about all the jumps he's taken in each offseason he's been in, right? From a guy where, like, just last last year when we were talking about Pascal Siakam, I said the words, he'll never be an all-star. Nobody expected him to jump from being the end of the rotation guy to being a most improved player to jumping into all-star caliber. Like, who knows what this next jump will be for him? Uh, just because just it seems like he's just a worker in the offseason. Just like he adds to his games, adds to his game. Because it was a period of time where his whole thing was like, when we get a rebound, I'm running in transition. I'm running in transition. That was all he was for a while. And then he was getting like mid-range ISO buckets and stuff. You're like, okay, all right. But now we need him to incorporate a little bit more because the world is seeing that spin move and like, okay, that's his go-to and we can clamp that up now. Yeah. So who, yeah, know, who knows? Who knows what this offseason is going to bring for him? Kawhi is the number one option now. Kawhi wasn't the number one option. Took him time. Took him time because he wasn't bred into it. He didn't have all the arsenal that he that he has in his game now. And shit, now that he knew he was going to have to be put in that situation, he's thrived. He had a lot of time to be able to gear into that number one option type guy. I don't want to – I think we spent enough time on this series. We'll get back to game six uh, in the next episode of Through the Wire and maybe game seven if, if uh, Toronto can pull it out. So let's move on to the next game of the day, which was the Clippers and the Nuggets. It was a, a, a Jokic game, man. I, whenever Jokic has a game, I look forward to him trying to get that W. Because I love to see him play. I mean, there were so many instances where he just got the ball and just launched it down court. So much so that, like, I don't, maybe a sports center that tweeted the Marge meme with the basketball in his hand. He's just. Oh, yeah. Just the, the man was great. Uh, you got the Michael Porter Jr. dunk. He came in and at, provided a little spark. But overall, so far this series, playoff P might be back. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm very disappointed to not. Not see a lot of the, the Twitter love as much as the hate was uh as loud, but that's whatever. But yeah, Paul George is doing his thing. This was a good this was a game that I I won't lie. I was I was looking at Denver and I'm like, man, this would be a nice one for y'all to pull out. The first one y'all kind of caught them lacking. This one they're actually you're actually up hooping. Jokic, I, I was impressed with the three-point shooting. He was shooting the three ball very well. Um they they kept they kind of and the third was having like that 10 to eight point lead throughout the course. So I'm like, man, okay. And then you kind of see Kawhi. Um, he started to get going, but early on, he seen he was just kind of chill, just in check a little bit. So I, I kind of thought this was a game that they might be able to steal. Um, but I mean, they they had the they had the lead pretty much the whole first three quarters. It was that last yeah. quarter where the Clippers just just took over because Mike had mentioned this when we were talking in a party where like. Zubac, Matrez, Harold, they just didn't know how to guard Jokic whatsoever. Yeah, they were just leaving him open on a pop, on the pick and pop, and he was just letting it fly all that's pretty much the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I know late in that fourth quarter, Jokic kind of was under control. Uh, the Clippers were getting consistent stops. That's the big reason why I think they're going to go far in this because when they really need to get stops they're a team that could really just lock in and Kawhi was getting all the big rebounds he wasn't letting mm -hmm. no offensive rebounds getting let off and this team is deep man and it's fun to watch them especially against a young team like Denver yeah they yeah got I like the Clippers but I, like I said man <laughs> something's missing something's missing um they're as good as they are as deep as they are they've shown that they are a very beatable team they yeah. are very beatable. Um, and mm -hmm. I know everybody in the bubble is beatable, but like they're they're not as here as we've all kind of made you them. You think seem. so? It's kind of odd though. What yeah, what I don't think is so. that all the top like favorites that came into this, you can look at them and say that they're all beatable now. The yeah, Lakers, agreed. the Clippers, and the Bucks, you can you can say they're all beatable. Like in this in these last two games, they haven't really shown me like that they're they're a juggernaut over the Nuggets. Or maybe yeah. maybe the Nuggets are just that good. Maybe I'm just doubting the Nuggets. But this is a, this is a series where people was like, man, they and they could still beat them four one on five games, but they not beating them to where it was like the first game. People thought the first game was how it was gonna look. Oh, we're just gonna beat up on them, get our mojo back, and we'll just chill and wait for the Lakers, depending on how that go. But the Nuggets have life in them, and they're in the they're in these games. And like we said, they was winning the first three quarters. And same thing in the first series. Dallas was keeping up with them. 
shit, there's a there's a there's an, a, a thing out there that's like shit. If Przingis plays the whole series, they might not be in this round. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not even like a wild thing. That's not even a hot take because they were going back and forth with the the Dallas Mavericks and the, the same thing here. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Denver Nuggets stole one more. Wouldn't be surprised yeah. at all. I don't wouldn't think y'all be surprised either. either. Right. No. Yeah, the, the the Clippers defense for how good you know we're, we assume they're supposed to be. They have a lot of lapses. Whether I don't know if it's like just chemistry issues or people are still trying to get their feet wet, but they have lapses and you can single them out. You can single Reggie Jackson out and, and get a nice shut up. You can single Montrez Harold out and get nice shots up. So there's a way to kind of break that defense. I think in, I mean, Jokic is just like the ultimate key for them. I mean, if he has zoo box, he's going to take him out of the perimeter and then Montrez Hill is just kind of, he's just way too little for him. So they have an offense where they can, you know, stay in that half court. I think their defense is just what they lack. Because at the end of the quarter, or in the fourth, they couldn't get no stops, you know, and it shows the, the superstars come out during those those crunch time minutes. And um, the Clippers pulled out. Yeah, and the Nuggets really scored, struggled to, get, like, get any shots, especially Jamal Murray. It would, they, be such, it would be the funniest thing in the world if, like, let's just hypothetically say the Clippers are the one. They're, they'll represent the Western Conference in the finals. And let's just say, like, the Celtics or the Heat, because they're up in their series, will represent the East. And they play the Clippers and the Clippers dog, one of those teams. That would be that would be crazy. It's, it's, I think it's a real possibility. That would be bro. crazy. I they think it's struggle. a real possibility. I don't want to say struggle, but they they have more comp. They were more um, even with like the Dallas Mavericks, the Nuggets, all these teams that you may think these other teams are better than because they performed better in the the like what the the Miami Heat have lost one game in this playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They lost one game. Go to the finals and then get dog. And I'm not saying that will happen, but that would just be wild to see. I'm trying to think of. I'm. I'm going to look at something real quick because the way I'm looking at it or thinking about it is, um, so far the Clippers have played two of the top five offenses in the NBA, right? And they they relative they struggle, right? They struggled against Dallas to get the stops that they needed, and now they're struggling at times against the Denver Nuggets. But if they matched up on anybody in the Heat, I mean on the on the East, it's like, oh, actually that's not that's not true. Boston's top five too. I forgot Boston was top five offense and defense this season. So never mind. Never mind. And I look at the Heat and I say they have they have a, an offense that doesn't rank as high as the other teams, but it's dynamic. It's close though. It's number seven, so it's it's still it's dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and what's his name? Zubak. He's going to have to move with Bam. He's going to have to, you know, dribble handoffs, and he's going to have he's going to have to know how to guard a dribble handoff with Drogic and Tyler Hero. Because he call me call me crazy, but I think that the Montrez Harrell Bam Adebayo matchup is actually pretty interesting because of their their frames right and Montrez yeah. is is quick enough to keep up with Bam like obviously he's not as great as a defender as you would want Montrez Harrell to be but I think the matchup I don't know if that series does happen in the finals hypothetically I don't know how much of Zubats we actually see in that series at all because he can't there's no one for him to guard at yeah, all right? we're seeing more Zubats now because he's guarding Jokic right and even in this game that we've seen against Jokic Montrez Harrell just he should be better but he just does shit like He's just off with it. He's just that defense just isn't his thing. Just like the one play, it's like seven seconds left in the shot clock. He's about to dribble handoff and he fouled him as soon as he got in the game. Mm-hmm. It's like just picked up a silly ass foul. Now Jokic is at the free throw line. You just picked up your third. That was just a dumbass foul. And yeah. you're going to get a lot of that movement with Bam. Bam is just going to be a low post guy that's just like out of the way. Uh, I'm just over here. He's going to move, dribble handoffs. He can hit a mid range jump shot. Um, he's going to be active, trying to get the boards. Bam, offensive. Re- he tries to get a lot of offensive rebounds, um, which he should because they shoot so many threes. It's going to be a lot of long threes between Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Let's just try to uh, transition to that series. Then the Miami Heat uh, were up three zero going into things. Giannis goes out early in the first quarter. He was dominating that first quarter. He yeah. goes out uh, ankle injury. He's still questionable, if I'm not mistaken, for to tomorrow's game as we're recording this. Um, but the Heat could not close it out. Chris Middleton looks about – he basically had his best NBA game, it seems like. Uh, best playoff game, I guess I could say. And they stay alive in overtime, a 118-115 game. But, but I saw this tweet yesterday that could have changed everything. And here's that tweet. NBA officiating report says Jimmy Butler should have gotten two free throws with 24 seconds left 
with the Heat up 107 to 106 in the fourth quarter Saturday. Instead, the Bucks tied it and forced overtime. So that is that that officiating report that we always get. Miss call uh, leads yeah. to the series con- continuing. That does nothing except make people <laughs> mad and say, <laughs> probably Miami make makes Miami mad and wish they would have just swept the Bucks and got it over with. But I mean, that's the worst thing that Miami could have probably done is just give this Bucks team a little bit of life. I mean, if Giannis could come back and if anything at all, this should is- they allow him to come back? Why not? It's up to him. I think that's more. Why not? not? Chris. If he can go, why not? Chris. Put the ball (laughs) in Chris Middleton's hands. They did kept showing all the stats for when Giannis, as soon as Giannis left the game, they're like, all the Bucks are shooting better. Because they really couldn't do nothing. Like, it was all Giannis basically in that first quarter. Yeah, but he came out. He was like, hey, I'm going to dominate. I'm I'm not going home. I like that. I mean, if Giannis Giannis wants to play, he's going to play. But, I mean... If I was the Bucks, I, I agree. Um, obviously, you would want Giannis out on the floor, but I just think that the expectation for the Heat number one is that they're they're naturally their guard is going to be up just a tad. It's just a natural thing. The team's best player is not out there. It, it is what it is. Even the way that they plan to defend is all shaped around defending Giannis. So you remove him from that equation, and now they're it, it, they're not used to what they're they were game planning to do. And then number two on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, side, they're playing with house money. That shot Middleton takes, I, I to to tie it or with, that was no, that was to win no, the game. He won that the game with that shot. He doesn't take that. He doesn't take that. If this series is two two, he's not taking that shot. He's going to overthink it. He's going to probably do some shit that he shouldn't. But because we're down three and zero, the hell with it. <laughs> if mm-hmm. I lose, if if I miss, what happens? We go home. Which we three zero anyway. And then you play with that mentality, that mentality that is just like, who cares? Because your back is already against the wall. Like it's just, I'm just out here playing with the house's money. What's the worst we can do? Lose and go home? Shit, we already down 3-0. So that mentality is is sometimes good. And then some teams fold with it though. Some teams are like, shit, what's the worst we're gonna do? Go home. And then they come out and they shit the bed and they exactly what's gonna happen. They go home and then they get blown out. And t- people are like, damn. You had nothing to play for. You just got swept and sent home that easy. Like, you weren't even going to fight. Um, I the, thing, think the thing I love the most about this game is that it took Coach Bud until now to play his players more than 20, 38 <laughs> minutes. And, again, they did go to overtime and everything. But it, just, it took until you were literally down 3-0 in a series for you to be like, okay, now we should probably let them play. And then Chris Middleton is not used to playing like this. He basically was, was on somebody's shoulder like he's had a flu game after this. <laughs> like, like, come on, bro. <laughs> 30, he had 36 points in 47 minutes. I give him a lot of respect as keeping the season alive. But the fact that it took Bud until they were down 3-0 to allow him to play like this, to allow Brooke Lopez to play 40, allow Eric Bledsoe to play 30, it just, it's just bad coaching. And at the end of the day, we might see a situation. I think his name is Devin Ham, Dalvin Ham. The assistant Darvin. coach, Darvin Ham, is probably going to get promoted. They're probably going to get rid of Coach Bud, bro. Good. Shout out to Darvin Ham, man, former Nugget. He He's on the list of Bulls candidates, so I don't want it to happen because I would rather him get the interview at least. But if he could just automatically step into a spot, let it be. Yeah. This is the Chris Middleton that they need consistently, though, even with Giannis. They need him to just come out and just be guns blazing. And I, I when I'm watching him, it seems like he comes out hot and then he comes out of halftime hot and then he just, like, step, it just goes down after those periods. Seems to just. Yeah, teams adjust, and they're gonna play you tighter, and then they're gonna make you have to, you know, they're gonna show you two bodies, and they're gonna have to make, they're gonna make you be that number one option. I got but, a question for y'all: Throughout all of these games, playoffs, bubble, everything, right? Mm-hmm. How many times do you think? How many times? Oh, I'm sorry, just the playoffs. So, how many games did the Bucks play? They have five, a five game series, round one, and then now they just finished up game four. So in the nine games of the playoffs, how many times do y'all think Giannis has been the role man on a PNR? Zero times. P says zero. He's been the role man? Role man. On a pick and roll? I'm going to say around 20 times. 20? Okay. 10. 10? 12. Oh. And guess what? He's 11 and 12 when he touches that ball on the PNR. <laughs> And the fact that they just don't run PNR with a guy like Giannis, his athleticism, and, and like 
Come on, bro. Guess, it just doesn't make sense. I guess zero because I have I, I don't remember ever seeing I've it. Seen exactly, them exactly. I've seen them close out game. Not even just like in this boat. I've seen them close out games with the Chris Middleton and Giannis pick and roll. Mm. Like it, it's it's super deadly. But I mean, if like if that's that's true and they're not just doing it, that's dumb. And something I just noticed, and I, I've always been a fan of, it, especially with Nick Nurse, is just you try something different. If something is not working in the playoffs, don't be afraid to try something different. Mm-hmm. Like, What's the worst gonna happen? The, the greats do. The greats adjust. The greats mm-hmm. attract something new. They just to. throw it out there. Yeah, I mean, what's the worst gonna happen? You gonna lose? You was gonna lose with the Richards. Right. <laughs> Either way, um, Bam hey, had his best they, playoff game ever. They do that pick and roll against me, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Eric Bledsoe, show me what you got. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. Hey, show me what you got. Wesley Matthews, you had it eight years ago. I want to see it now in the playoffs. No, Eric, uh, Wesley Matthews, other than like the first game or two, he's been just real bad. He's been just real Hell, bad. Hell, Dante DiVincenzo, they only play you 10 minutes, buddy. You got about three shot attempts in you. You're not used to shooting <laughs> that rock like that, even if you do hit two. Let, show me what you got. That's what I'm doing because that the only motherfucker I'm caring about is George Hill. That's it. If Highest three-point percentage in the league. Um, and bro, oh, no, Brook Lopez. Cal no. Corver, he'll knock it down. Cal Corver, him How many there. times have we seen Cal Corver as a PNR ball handler, though? A lot. They were trying to get him open up. No, 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 no. no, no not the screens. We're talking about pick and roll. He's the, he's the guy dribbling. I know. I know. I've seen it. They try to get him those open looks, but he hasn't been hitting them. My biggest bone, my biggest bone to pick with Kyle Corver is that I can't rely on him in the playoffs if he's not wearing a Chicago Bull jersey. I've seen him with LeBron James with the Cavaliers, and I thought he was gonna make a lot of shots that he did not make. All right, get Knowing off my get off my boy hot sauce, man. Get everybody ain't sauce. ready for that stage, but no. Nah, um, the man has been in the league since two thousand three. That LeBron class. Anybody know the, the college? Yep. Curry. Boom. Ooh. Creighton's just producing shooters, man. That's what they Yo, do. Why did, say, why did he say that? Who else came from Creighton? Jimmer. Come on, bro. Think about another shooter. It's not Jimmer. It is that. T- it's not Jimmer. Chicago. Play for the Bulls. Oh, yeah, Doug. Dougie, Dougie McBuckets. Yes, sir. I mean, this man, Cal Corbett, had a season where he shot 53% from three. 53. Water. And what year was that? That was 2009, 2010, his last year in Utah before the Bulls gave him that money. That was high sock Corver. <laughs> now he went mid sock with knee pads like the rest of the young guys. I like Cal Corver. You got to stay young. And he'll mess around to be in the league next year, too, because he, he has oh, one he, job. He's not going nowhere. That name, his name is just going to get him jobs. It just sounds good. Yeah, we got this, uh, we got this, this crazy nice offense, and plus we just added Cal Corver. You just like, have okay. to guard him based off his name, like 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 I just said. Hell, even if even if I came in and was like, Cal Corver gonna have to show me something. My assistants are gonna be like, Coach, that's Cal. Or even <laughs> if I tell it to my players, they're still not going to want to leave Cal. It was, it's just stupid in your mind yeah. to be on a court and not yeah. guard Cal Corver. Even when like I think it was Stan Van Gunny, Stan Van Gunny coming in the game. He's like, even back when I was coaching, it was like years, like almost a decade ago. He's like, Kyle Corby used to give me nightmares game planning. So that just shows <laughs> how long the man has been in the year. Like his name just has the respect to it. Like you can't leave Kyle Corbin and expect your coach not to yell at you. It's just you don't do it. Cal Corver's career best game. Do y'all know what like box score is? Not like the actual box score, but like it's like an advanced stat. Yeah. It it basically tallies up and it tell it can tell you when your best game was. His yeah. best game of all time is when he was with the Atlanta Hawks going against the Boston Celtics. He had a stat line of 27 points, six rebounds, four, had a lot of steals. Four assists, three steals, two blocks. That was his best stat That's line ever. Game. That's a good game for him. Like that's a that's Very a really good game. Good game. Especially with the defensive stats. Eight three-pointers made. Out of how many? Twelve. Just efficient. Just efficient. <laughs> I think that's fun. Let me – I just want to real quick – I want to see what, like, Rajon Rondo's best stat line is because Rajon Rondo fill up that box score. Yeah. It probably was the – yeah. The uh, – 20 rebound or something like 20. Celtic years after the guys left. Ooh, first game of the season, 2011. In the Garden, he had a stat line of 31 – 13 assists, five rebounds, five steals. This is no Kevin Garnett in them, right? Kevin Garnett is there. There's no Paul Pierce. Okay. Mm-hmm. Imagine you know, everybody's going out there and getting 31 They, they lost, though. 
That's actually oh, they, the big thing. To LeBron James? The, no, they, no, they lost to Melo drop at 37 on their head. <laughs> Melo dropped 37 on their heads. All right. We should play that one day with just like role, random role players. We look and see what their best game was because you never like JJ Barea probably right have now. one. JJ, okay, I'm gonna go. We'll come back to it. I'm gonna go JJ Barea, and then let's talk about the last Lakers Rockets game, and then we'll come back to this after. JJ Barea best stat line ever in the regular season. It, it don't count for playoffs. It's a game against the Nets. From 2015, so not that long ago, he had a stat line of whoo. JJ Barea had 32 and 11 assists. Mm. <laughs> but did he start this game or did he come off the bench? He did start it. Like, I already knew that. <laughs> well, imagine going home and having to tell your kid JJ Barea gave me 32 today. <laughs> JJ Barea swole. Definitely for a minute too. It, it, it warmed my heart seeing him walk home. And then he had his kids waiting for him at the front door. That, that, that warmed my heart. All right, last game to keep up with. We had the Lakers uh, getting their first win in the series against the Houston Rockets. Um, in a game where Anthony Davis was the guy we wanted him to be in game one. Like his stat line was better and he was way more aggressive. Um, I think the big story from everybody I've heard talk about this game is Russell Westbrook and how bad he was this game and how good mm-hmm. Rondo was out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, Rondo came out in that first quarter, facilitate him and Marquise Morris. They came out and was hoping off the bench. Yeah, Morris came high, but I, I I think the adjustments were definitely to make Russell get those shots. I like how they was kind of blitzing hard and off the pick and rolls, and making him be the facilitator. And I don't know, I could live with all those shots Russell was taking, and he just had a lot of bonehead players at the end of the, at the end of the game man. too. He'll get an offensive rebound and run around in a circle and turn it over. Like I, I'll take that. I think yep. even he said it. Level. Even he said in his post game interview, he was like, "I'm just running around out there. I need to figure out what I'm doing." <laughs> I'm like, at least he's honest. At least he's honest yeah. with himself. Like, yeah, that, like Russell Westbrook is one of those dudes. That we we all know Russell Westbrook's a great NBA player. At least he can be. He can go from one of the best players in the world to just a guy that you like get him out of the game from game to game. Next game, we may see him be amazing. And then we forget about this game because next game he might be so good. It's just so weird to see a guy have, like, polar opposites of himself depending mm-hmm. on the game. Yeah. Like, those are the type of mistakes you see a rookie have, all right? Or the same mistakes MPJ had in his playoff. I could see I could see him making those mistakes down the stretch, but not from a, a veteran guard who's 30 years old and, and doing that. But I think that's just – we already talked about it, but that's what comes with Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's ever going to change him. You know, no, it won't. I mean, he – shoot. He's 30 no. plus years old. This is right. how it's been. This is how it's been. You take it though, because when he is mm-hmm. good, he is electric. He can mm-hmm. carry a whole team. But it's and just it seems like he plays better when he's going against like other top guards, like the Steph, the Dane. And he just don't got that this series. He played against Rondo at 38 <laughs> years old. It's like it gives him like that extra umph to where he actually want to come out and show some shit. But sometimes he's just non existent. Well, he's existing, but it's just bad. Yeah. What are we expecting? What are we res- What are we expecting from the Lakers the rest of the series? This. It depends on what we get from Anthony Davis. Is he gonna? He's one of those dudes that I say like he every other game. Sometimes he want to come out and be aggressive. Then I think he go, and he just he like all right. I'll show what I can do. Now mm-hmm. I'm gonna take a step back. And that's the that's the super scary thing about this team to me, man. Of course, the top end talent is great, the greatest in the world. But everything after that, if LeBron has a bad game, the Lakers will probably lose. If Anthony yeah. Davis has a bad game, the Lakers will probably lose. And God forbid both of them just don't have a good game. You're gonna get you're gonna lose by 20. So that that's what scares me about this team. I mean, it's a W that you got Marquise Morris being as good as he was in that first quarter, but you can't expect that. You hope that maybe next game it is Kuzma doing that thing, or you hope that it's Alex Caruso, but that's not that's not a guarantee. The role players just aren't as reliable as some of the other role players on other teams. I will take almost any other teams left in this bubble supporting cast over the Lakers. But it just so happened the Lakers got two of the top five, top six players. So they're they're a contender. But everything after that, I will take I would take the Celtics role players. I will take the Raptors. I will take the Miami Heat. Come on, bro. Them role players with LeBron would be ridiculous. Even even when we get to the Denver Nuggets, I'll take all of them over the role players you have on the Lakers right now. Yeah. I mean, I can't even say you're wrong at this point, KB. And, I mean, the thing that I've seen from both L.A. teams is when they need it, they're going to turn on that defensive switch. 
and that's that's what I've been happy with as a Lakers fan. That when we do need it, we we will definitely turn it on, and we we're not afraid to, you know, make those changing adjustments. All right, we will blitz the James Harden, and we will give Russ Westbrook those shots all day. So I'm, so I'm happy my, with the coaches so far, at least. My question to you is: Was the defense turned on this game, or did the Rockets just lose their hot? Because the third quarter, the Rockets were were just destroying it; they weren't missing. Yeah. Uh, so was it just them cooling off, or the Lakers just really step up defensively? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. I mean, with the Rockets' offense, you always gonna have a period of time where you can't hit a shot. I mean, that's just analytics with the amount of threes they take. But I mean, it's part of their defense of giving them those shots, right? They had some nice looks; they just didn't fall. But those are the shots we're trying to give up. I think they. I thought thought I saw a stat that Russ took like six threes in the fourth quarter alone, just because yeah. they left him so open, like shoot the I ball, mean, shoot the ball. That he shot one for five for three. And yeah. usually, when people do be trapping uh, James Harden, you'll see Russell do a good job of like. He'll make sure he can get a, a nice look into the basket or he'll cut and do that. He was just taking the threes and he's bailing us out. So, I mean, those are the type of breakdowns Russ has where, like, you're at, you're looking at him like, what you doing out there, Russ? Yeah. You know? And then, I mean, Eric Gordon continues to be good. That's great for them. Um, three games in a row where he's put up over 20 points, and that's, that's really good. P.J. Tucker, I mean, you can't ask for more from him this game. He played as good defense, as good as defense on Anthony Davis as he really could. And then he also gave it to you on the offensive side of the ball. I, I've said this before the bubble started, but like there's so much of this team's success on PJ Tucker's back because if he goes down, there's no answer for any big in the league. Because they just, Robert Covers is cool, but he's not he's not PJ Tucker out there defensively. So like I mean, he loves it though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He loves it. He got a new Kobe coming out. New Kobe shoe. A PE? Okay, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see that. Um, yeah, the thing, dangerous thing about the Rockets is they never out of a game. Yeah, mm-hmm. never out of a game. The Lakers are never going to be able to, and that goes to with your role players because if you could build a certain lead, you're most likely going to probably start putting those guys in, and they're going to get extended minutes. But you can't because um, the Rockets never going to be, never going to go away. Can the Lakers win out? Y'all think the Lakers can win this out? 100%. Oh, I did see a picture of those. Yeah, those are those are nice, man. Those are nice. If anybody deserves a PE, it is PJ Tucker, bro. If somebody like he just cares so much about the shoes, bro. There's been games where he's played in four different shoes, one every quarter and and warmed up in a pair so count five. That's just who he is. And then he did his press game interview in another pair. <laughs> <laughs> um they got nothing from Jeff Green. I'm looking at Jeff, Jeff Green's stat line is 21 minutes. You know what? P.J. Tucker would be a great guy for you to just do what you just did to see what his best game was. Mm, all right, I'm, I'm I'm looking it up. P.J. Tucker had a part of the of his career where he got drafted, and then he spent like four years overseas, and then came back. So I let, let's it's see. Be a Phoenix Suns game or a Houston Rockets? It is a Phoenix Suns game against Russell Westbrook. Hmm. The stat line for him was 22 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks. The best game of his career. What's the best game of LeBron's career? He, he was he was playing small forward back there. Can you imagine P.J. Tucker a small forward? Could yeah, not? he was real good with them, too. I like that team. They got Channing Fry and Miles Plumley. LeBron's best game? All right. Didn't he have a game at the Garden where he dropped, like, over, like, 50? Oh, we're going to see. scoring game. We we gonna we gonna see what this says. His best career game was, is in Cleveland, 2017, 2018, and the stat line. Wait, I think I remember. The, do I remember this game? Wait, oh, this is not the game I'm thinking of. I was you, okay. So it's against the Washington Wizards, and I thought about the game where he did like oh, a turnaround. Corner three. Yeah, but it's not. If that was the same game that he also put up his best, anyway, he had 57. 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, and they they got to win. They got to win. Oh, you know who else had a good game? Derrick Rose had 20 this game. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, D-Rose. Wow, 57. I couldn't imagine having to take 34 shots to win a game. But that's just how it is sometimes. For some reason, he always lit up the Wizards. The Wizards never had nobody to guard him. So I always had that hole there. They tried. Otto Porter, Trevor Reza. Mm-hmm. Otto Porter was actually yeah, in this game. Great. Got got the work <laughs> did. 
I mean, yeah, this is a very interesting thing to do. I may do this a lot because, I mean, just you don't really think about it. Like, sometimes I see a stat line and I'm so spoiled with it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm used to people putting up like 30, 35 some nights. And you really sit back and think about, man, this dude dropped 28. A guy that we don't even look at to be a scorer it had a game and he put up 28. It's insane. Do they have a where you can see their worst game? Like they played Ooh. 25 minutes and they only had like two points on one. I could go, I can go season. Let me see LeBron's worst game this season. I can go like that. I can't see his worst game of all time. I mean, I could, but it would just take way too long. You know, we don't have that time. But LeBron's worst game this season is a game where he put up a total of 17 points, nine assists, eight rebounds. <laughs> what a terrible Ooh. game. LeBron, his what worst game. It? But he also had eight turnovers, though. It was the turnovers that put him in oh. his worst game. Eight turnovers. Pat Beverly quote after game three. Okay, what'd he say? He says, Nikola Jokic, uh, he, he presents the same thing Luka Doncic presents. A lot of fit, a lot of flailing. He puts a lot of pressure on the refs to make the right calls. Hmm? Pat Bev just be talking. Yeah. I don't he, have- he be he be tricking y'all, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't even oh. have nothing to say to that. Ooh, no, Mike. I got an even worse game for LeBron. And it happened. Very, very recently. The one we had like, 20, had like 12. Right? It was against the Blazers. He had like 12 he had points. points. He had 10 points. He had 10 <laughs> points. Six turnovers, seven assists. But they won by like 30. So it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. You know what hey, I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm gonna make it a game for a future episode. And we and then we're going to turn it into something where we go best game, worst game. And, and try to figure things out. I think I think that's the way we should go. The man Demille said, he gave him the sweet chant music. <laughs> <laughs> and then they 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 copied your stuff, right, Demille's? ESPN did. Omar must have saw it. Omar. Uh-oh, Omar. You better give him a text. Yeah, like, come that on, bro. Omar. You ain't slick. That's funny. Shout out to Omar, man. Um. Oh, just before we end today's episode, letting people know that if everything goes as planned tomorrow, Tuesday, we're having a post-game show where after the last game is over, we're going to have our own version of us. Basically this, but live so we can read comments and um, see y'all inputs on things as well. It'll be over on twitch.tv slash House of Highlights. But, of course, you'll get tweets and Instagram stories once we're live and stuff. But just a little heads up. Clear your schedule because Through the Wires got their own late-night show now. Yeah. Before we wrap it up, you know we got to come through with a BR article. Oh man! <laughs> Impact free agent signings. NBA contenders can make this off season. Okay. Can we? So can we guess? First... Can, I would love to guess. Okay. Oh, I see. They're not doing team with the name. They're just ranking ten guys. Oh, okay. So guess some of these guys. The first dude is a center. So he's a free agent that a contender can go to. So what I'm thinking about is a guy that won't be – it's not like Anthony Davis because he's a contra- his contract's right. so big that he won't be able to go to a contender other than the Lakers. This is a guy whose team was in the bubble, but they didn't make the playoffs. They missed the playoffs by the inch. Rashawn Holmes. No. Mm. His team was better than Rashawn Holmes' team. <clears throat> if I say anything about this guy, it kind of gives it away, so I got to be real. Uh, you know, it's, it's NBA standings time, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got to look at the teams that didn't make it. Um, I don't Big social media presence. Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines. Oh, Aaron Baines. Oh, my God. I feel so bad for getting that wrong. Aaron Baines. Yeah, um, yeah they're just saying uh, DeAndre Aiden was suspended. Baines quickly became the Sun starting center. That's instead great. of collapsing with the 2019 top pick, Phoenix got off to his best start in years. Uh, Aiden, Devin Brooker, and Suns coach Monty Williams all publicly praised Baines this season, and he became a fan favorite. Very few big men can stroke threes after shoot around. Okay. Number two, a guy is currently still playing. He's a guard. Free agent guard that is still Gonna playing put a, right now. I, I said that I would put him on this other particular team that got kicked out of the bubble. They could use a guy like him. He's uh Kevin Fleet? No. I'm sure mm-hmm. Fred will be on here. He'll probably be on the list somewhere. But this one is an older guy, older gentleman. Oh, Gordon Dragic. Yes, sir. Oh. 
Um, number three, another older gentleman who we talked about on today's podcast. We talked about how he isn't exactly what he was a year ago or even earlier. He's a center. Oh, Marcus Saul. Marcus Saul. Okay. I'm like, who the who the hell are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. I know, I've been talking about this dude all about Justin Jackson. Justin Holiday. Holiday. <laughs> Justin Holiday. Not Justin Jackson. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> you see what they said about for some reason NBA. For some reason, the NBA made Justin Holiday wait last summer. Most free agency business is conducted in the first week of July, but the lanky swingman didn't sign his deal with the Pacers until July 31st. Oh, yeah. He was on the market for a very long time. Holiday seemed lacking of a market makes even less sense considering that he is the exact kind of player that teams move heaven and earth to acquire nowadays, but Indiana smartly pounced when other teams put it. Maybe it's the fact that he was in – uh, was inefficient while taking on two large roles for the Grizzlies and Bulls in recent years. Facts. Maybe the Pacers player development staff deserves credit for rejuvenating Holiday. But either way, the 31-year-old should be much more desired now yeah. as he vastly outperformed his meat. Yeah, one- exactly, right? Don't he sit feel younger than 31? Definitely. Yeah. But I guess Drew is, what, 30? came in the league. Not to, literally. But Drew, but Drew is older, though. Yeah. Drew is older? No, 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 no. Drew is older, and he's the oh, older one. Okay, so okay, like, okay, okay. Um, yeah, forty percent from three, um, and recording a career Good best defender. four two, four point two win share. Okay. Um, the next one is a, a a center still in a bubble. Um, uh, was dominant at the point in time. Dwight, Dwight Howard. Um, he hasn't really played this series because he can't he can't guard anybody. This guy right here is interesting. Um, he might in the bubble. Out. I think he got hurt. JaVale Guard, did get hurt last game. Um, went undrafted. What conference? Western. Plays with two young guys. Oh, um, oh, what is this? The bearded guy. The the dude that be ducking at like five seven. Um. Jordan McLaughlin? Mc, Mc, yeah, Mc, I don't McLaughlin? know if he's five, seven, though. Oh, yeah. I, be, I exaggerate height. He's short, though. He is short. Yeah. I said, no. You, yeah, you had it right with the beard, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, actually, I'm surprised he's on the list. But, I mean, they're, he was undrafted, and he's pretty decent. So. They're saying, yeah, they're saying there's no play, there's no excuse for players like him going undrafted anymore, from Fred Van Fleet to TJ McConnell to Matthew Della Vendova, Ryan Archidiacono, and more. Okay. Now have you <laughs> that high IQ point guards can succeed in a modern NBA even if they're older and lack height or athleticism. As evidenced by McLaughlin's first year, these kind of players can also succeed no matter the situation. Despite playing for the 14, the 19 and 45 Timberwolves, the former USC Trojan ranked in top 10 league-wide in assist to turnover ratio. That's great. And recording a sterling uh, 58.7 true shooting percentage. Of course, McLaughlin and his cohort aren't perfect players. Despite solid individual numbers as a rookie, his inexperienced slight build and Minnesota's terribly supporting cast all contributed to a subpar analytics profile. However, on a team like the Boston Celtics, Los Angeles Clippers, or Portland Trailblazers who who have both the talent and culture to scheme around such shortcomings, you can easily picture him being on Zach Lowe's, Luke Walton's All-Stars in a year or two and then becoming a solid journeyman who... who uh, I just who, remember him dunking on somebody. I got to figure out who did he dunk on this season. He dunked on somebody. I don't remember who it was. Isn't it James Harden? No, that was uh, Carson Edwards that dunked oh, yeah, on James Harden. Another sure king, though. Is that everybody? No, we got one more. He's a son. No, we got a few more. He's a son of somebody. It's a guard. He's a son of somebody. He's a son of somebody and a guard. I mean, everybody's a son of somebody, right? <laughs> they played the NBA. Okay. Son of somebody, but a Austin Rivers? Seth, Seth Curry. Um, Somebody important? Son more of. Like, more like a mitt. Oh, Gary Payton, the second. <laughs> not Gary, not Gary Payton Jr. though, because Gary Payton Jr. and Gary Payton II are two different people. Yes. Don't get him mistaken. Gary Payton II. Where you? Well, I mean, I know, but do y'all know? Derek has never seen that movie. That's a fact. We know that to be true. Derek has never seen that. Yo, movie. Yo, we got to do another podcast on this Zoom stuff to talk about the movies these two ain't seen. Mm. These motherfuckers ain't seen shit like Boys in the Hood and shit like that. 
crazy, man. Crazy. Like the Mike f- is the movie, by the way. I don't even know the movie I'm referencing when I like say Mike is the movie, y'all. It's crazy. I didn't like even... Mike, like Gary Payton guard. I don't know how you're a bat. You you grew up a basketball fan and didn't see like Mike. I didn't I don't... grow up a basketball fan. So wait, what'd you say? I didn't originally grow up as. a Oh, basketball I guess that's true. Fan. Y'all didn't grow up basketball fans. I was a skateboarder. That's still just like it's Bow Wow. I, I was seen, a skateboarder. I seen like Mike. <laughs> oh, wow. You seen how... like Mike? Yeah, I don't know how you ain't seen like Mike. What, what am my favorite? Uh-oh. Huh? Go, go answer KB's name. Question first. Wait, wait. Okay, since KB stopped, because yeah, yeah. What was Bow Wow's name? I cannot remember. That's on tip of my tongue. But I can literally if, give you scenes from that movie. I remember can, that. Movie. If I gave you his initials, would it help? Yeah. CC. Oh my! <laughs> I cannot. I can. It's on the tip of my tongue. I literally cannot think about it. Um. Uh, I'm trying to think of what, what how else I can explain it to you without giving it away. Another... Calvin Cambridge. Calvin Cambridge. <laughs> Calvin Cambridge. My favorite scene from that movie is like they had the montage of him like that was where the Gary Payton part was. Ooh, that Gary Payton part was. He and then he had And he had met Dirk in the Dirk. like in yeah, the tunnel. And Dirk asked for his autograph. And Dirk asked for his autograph. He's like, Can you sign this for my daughter? He's like, What's your daughter's name? He's like, uh, Dirk, Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> that should just kill them. Now you gotta go watch that. You gotta movie. go watch the movie now. Now you gotta go watch the movie now. My favorite part is when he uh took the car. He was just mm. dumb shit. Just it was a it's it's a good it's a good. It one, actually, bro. wouldn't be a bad movie to watch now because we haven't seen it in so long. And it's gonna be so fake looking mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. like his yeah. It's it's it, but it's it's a cool movie to me. It's definitely a movie I think a lot of people. From our age, maybe our younger fans haven't seen it, but one hundred percent, Bow Wow was the man back then. It's I my, it, it's my favorite basketball movie of all time. It's not even close. Over Space Jam, like, over Hoop Dreams, over Hoosiers. I got like Mike number one, bro. I love that movie. I'm a, nah, that's a good Glory Roll. It's over all of that. I like Blue Chips a lot, but that's because Penny and Shaq and all them in it. But <gasps> Coach Carter is a good one. Coach too. Carter. I don't know how I forgot about Carter Coach Carter. Yeah, Carter but. I'm still taking like Mike, man. This dude uh, is the son of somebody too that played in the NBA, uh, but he ain't the second. He ain't the second. Free agent, son of somebody in the NBA. Played on the West Coast. Played on the West Coast. All right, uh, back on the standings. Played on the West Coast, son of somebody. Guard. He ain't the second guard for it. West Coast or Western Conference? He started off on the West Coast. I think he ended on the East. Let me make sure. Oh man. Um Glenn Robinson the third. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He didn't last as a guy that played for this team. This team drafted uh a budding superstar point guard and he went back to this team. He went back. See, I, I was thinking of thinking of somebody. He got a brother that played for your team. Wait, what? He got a brother that played for your team. Played with it. Okay, past tense. He got drafted to a team. Jeff Teague. Oh. Oh. The Hawks. Yeah. Okay. Well. I I can't agree with some of those from the list. Like, the Clippers would be in a much better position right now, I personally think, if they had Jeff Teague on their roster. He gives you some type of actual respectable point. I, I respect I him more than Jeff uh, Reggie Jackson. I think Jeff Teague was really bad this season. I was going to say. Off the top of my head, the though. Same, they kind of on the yeah. same level for me, I feel like. Jeff Teague may be a little bit more That's not like, true. Jeff Teague was decent this year. He may be a little bit more in the moment. Like, he, he might be a little bit more for the, ready for the playoffs. Like, he might pull it out and do something like that. Because Reggie Jackson do be having them bonehead plays, but he'll he'll. Try oh yeah, because it. Jeff Teague is an actual kind of like point guard. Reggie yeah. Jackson always kind of be like a scoring point guard. Yeah. D Mills look out of it, bro. He looks like it's it's past bedtime, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the man can't even get past midnight no more, y'all. He officially old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not looking in his eyes, bro. <laughs> We call it a wrap. No video games. Bed at 10.30. Waking up at 5 a.m. for a Haven't jog. Haven't seen like Mike. <laughs> don't like left turns when he's driving. He only do rights. 
<laughs> For real? Yeah. No, that's not true. <laughs> like an old man. All right, we'll see y'all tomorrow for the post-game show, man. Uh, we out. Exactly. Check socials. Download the audio version. As always, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Playlist. You're breaking podcast, my heart everywhere. into... What song is that? That's that Chitty Bang, Big Sean. Say, I'm too real to be... I'm too, I'm too real to be living too... Okay, I know that. I know that. Okay. They don't. They too young, though. All right, we done. We out. We'll see y'all.